0: Dark Days Radio, episode number... 93? 94. 93 is going to
1: be the Wrath and Glory. Oh, that's a, but that's a...
0: I've already gotten rid of Dark right, okay. at this point. Anyway, we're <laughs> here for another cafe episode. The Jingle Bells are playing in the background. We're at the Cafe Nero in Boston with everyone around the table, including some very fine people, of course, from the United Kingdom.
2: Ooh.
1: And Chris...
0: Excellent. And also, some Bostonians who apparently were also in Berlin with us. I never met them.
3: Uh, Garrett uh, from Reverie
1: Studios. Uh, and I'm Tyler,
0: also from Reverie Studios. All right, sweet.
1: We did pass them along the street, I'm sure, at Dude, one point. Probably. I think we were it's staying like, away from the obvious. like people <laughs> in like, black leather
0: jackets. And I was like, whoa, whoa. I've
1: got the jacket <laughs> with me. Oh, yeah? Nice. <laughs> yeah. nice. Excellent. All right. So, uh, what's the plan for this episode? Then? I don't know. I mean, cuz I'm here for a conference. Sam is here on a freebie holiday essentially cuz you know.
2: Which is now it's a tour trip.
1: Now a photography trip, yeah. Well, I figured, you know, just to kind of ease into things. You know, this
0: is your first time in Boston, I believe. So, I wanted to know what you how you feel about the streets, you know?
2: Uh I love it. Um, I've always wanted to go to New England because, as I was telling you the other day, uh, my grandfather was from New England. He was from Connecticut. So, uh, yeah, that that's was really my my father was born in Connecticut in Westport, and yeah, it's just um, it's amazing to actually be here. You know, um, I've been watching Gilmore Girls for some years. It's <laughs> 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 New England. It's pretty awesome being in Salem today was as close as we would get to being somewhere like Starscaller so <laughs> I got a that was pretty awesome.
1: heavy kind of fish people feel from Salem I, I just loved yeah. it yeah and um, kind of um, what game uh, a secret world yeah. I could just oh, yeah. I, I was getting deja vu of running around trying to solve puzzles. It was very quiet. <laughs> it was really quiet actually yeah.
2: Very grey. very cold.
1: Maybe the best time to visit
2: after if you want it quiet and, yeah. yeah
1: yeah halloween's really crazy
0: around there i can imagine nice so you found the streets very navigable is that what i heard in
1: boston in so boston yes. yeah i mean it's been pretty easy so far really? i mean it is the age of google maps I and mean, it is just it's like true. it's all on there it is, all the on is also
2: because there are such tall buildings that you recognize you go towards them you mm. know that you're away from them yeah you know to navigate whereas we don't have as tall skyscrapers unless it's like London. You're getting bigger and bigger. Sheffield, we navigate now. by hills. Yeah. yeah oh, hills, okay. basically. It's very flat here.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's really flat.
2: Yeah.
0: All right, sweet. And how do you feel about Boston's award winning uh, public transportation system? How do you feel about our subway? <laughs> it's, it's the best in the United
2: States, i yeah, told. no. It's, <laughs> tiny. Um, it's better than the ones in the UK. Yeah. Really? Quite yeah.
1: In- Wait. Quite really? old style kind of like trams as well. They're like, how old are they? They look like they're from- As old as they can be. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah it's the were, oldest- They were um, warm and
2: comfortable, so- Yeah. You know?
4: It's the oldest um, subway in the United States it's in Boston. Yep. Okay.
1: Yep. It was completed two it months before works, New York's.
0: Yep. Or opened yeah. two months before New York's. Yeah. Well, we it's got all the way to guys. Salem and yeah. back, so-
1: Alright, good, all right, yeah. good. That's all right. Glad to hear it.
2: I've, I've only been otherwise um, on subway systems in the US in New York, which I went on Ooh. subway like once. New York's and an interesting I, beast. I, <laughs> and my mother was with me and she, she told me to get up because it was the next stop. And then I stepped up and then she was like, Oh no, no, come on, it's not the. So um, I nearly got, and this was
1: at nine. This was <laughs> eight, and this was nowhere near where we were staying. So yeah. I think the yeah. best subway system was mostly Berlin. Yep. Yeah, Berlin was very good. Berlin was really easy.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Tyler, Garrett, how'd you feel about Berlin's public transportation?
3: So I loved it. Yeah, no, I had a great time in Berlin. And yeah. uh, I was just over there uh, this summer. I was there with my fiance. She's doing some offer directing. I had a chance to sort of revisit some places that I saw when we were there for *Enlightenment in Blood*. so Yeah, right. That's up. Great.
1: That was a fun area of the town to be in. That yeah, was yeah pretty good. Yep. Best Negroni in town. <laughs> pretty but solid. I, I, I love
2: Berlin. Like I, I, wasn't there with you guys. No, you were there, there for a conference. I was there a few years ago when we went for a conference there for like a week, and that was an unseasonably warm March. Yeah. It? yeah, it was boiling
1: hot. So There's elements of Berlin which. very you said it's similar to like say San Francisco with its architecture like some of the the, and we were saying like like we went up to the which hospital was it which has the museum so we went to the ether dome and the streets around there, we were trying to pin, figure out, like, where's
2: this a bit like Dusseldorf stuff? in Germany. Yeah.
1: yeah, so the old town in Dusseldorf is a bit like that. Yep. And we also realised, we actually, because to get to the ether Dome, if you've never been to it, you get directed through the main... Through the main
2: entrance of the hospital. Yeah. Through these little rabbit warrens of the hospital. Mm. And... Um, Up the elevator. The and then, yeah, and then you go to it, and then it's down the exit, and you go past all these blood transfusion rooms and stuff and I'm like, now I understand how vampires get here to steal blood. (laughs) It's really easy. It it was like, it was really really because in the UK, you would not get to go down near any of those places. You'd never see them.
1: So many, like, oh, this is some researcher, this is some, you know, room for where they're you know, obviously drawing blood from people you're just like okay now now I understand how easy yeah. you just gotta go I'm here to visit some old room in this hospital that's a listed thing it's like yeah sure go ahead yeah, it's in like the,
2: in the UK you would you would never not
1: like you're you know if you're a nefarious Nosferatu yeah
2: yeah <laughs>
1: good yeah. times yep
0: yeah. great glad to hear it So, I think that's enough advertising for the uh, Boston Boston. (laughs) uh, tourism department. So, uh, I also wanted to get some street cred from Garrett and Tyler. So, Garrett, how'd you kind of get into uh, World of Darkness gaming and uh, what do you do with
3: it these days? Uh, Not a whole heck of a lot. Uh, So, the World of Darkness, uh, I think mostly the last thing I did that was major was enlightenment in blood. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, certainly bonded with some of the best people I know over World of Darkness, uh, Tyler being one of them. And my other uh, co-partner for the LARP studio that we founded uh, is Ken Pickering. We all met through the Mind's Eye Society. And, you know, it does hold a special place in my heart because I've made some amazing friends. But um, recently, I don't think a whole heck of a lot, really. Um, You know, I think uh, Tyler might have more to say about what what you've done recently with anything World of Darkness. But uh, I wouldn't be here today if it was not for... Uh, playing role-playing games, especially, you know, playing uh, World of Darkness games, Vampire the Masquerade, Sabah, you know, those kinds of things. So, right on. Um, I got into uh,
4: World of Darkness with the old... Uh, like, what was it? The, the Grey Book? The LARP Grey Book? What was it, the first edition? Oh, jeez. It was a Grey cover, I think it was. All I remember is that you had, like, four health points and... A werewolf's Claws would do three or something there stupid the, there
0: was the Masquerade box set that was out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's yeah. the one or it, was it was a just LARP like book
4: old... it was like it was definitely one of the smaller ones it was like the first edition mm. that they did I, that's when I. Mm. That's how I got into Okay. to um, White Wolf and then I sort of I didn't have anybody to LARP with at the time so I so I went to the bookstore at the time because it was like the coolest thing that you could do in the middle of nowhere, Maine, where I grew up um and, uh, and they happened to sell. What was it first edition Mage? I think it was.
0: <laughs> Sweet.
4: And and then I got Vampire, which was way cooler. Um, and I ended up making some friends who came in and would talk to me about White Wolf because they were playing it too, and that's how I got into um, uh, playing uh, in the World of Darkness. Uh, world. I, I got into some mushes online because mm. I didn't have anybody around to play with. Those were those were a whole other conversation. You um, need <laughs> Bretman online. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. Le, le, less said about that. Dark days. Yeah, so we. I played in a, tr- a couple troop games local. Um, and then when I went off to college, I got poached by some, someone really quickly was like, let's start a uh, Mind's Eye Society uh, chapter here in Bangor, Maine.
3: Nice.
4: Um, Bangor by night. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Great whatever. And so that was in 99, I think, is when I started uh, LARPing for that. And I've been involved with the Mind's Eye Society ever since. I've been an active member these last uh, 19 years, I guess. Um... As far as the organizations, because I've been an, an officer at all levels, national to local. Uh, for the last couple of years, I've just been a just a regular old nobody. Um, my 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 day-to-day work up until recently was I worked in the film and uh, theater business, doing production work, making props, mm-hmm. uh, scenic painting, that kind of stuff. So, so I would I, I worked the convention scene for MARPS a lot, being a coordinator. Um, doing all their props and stuff like that so but as we begin to uh, sort of start my own creation with Reverie Studios I decided that I needed to refocus on what was most exciting or important to me I still show up to the local game and I'm just facing the crowd and Mm -hmm. I like it Um, but I haven't tabletopped in a long time but I still follow White Wolf uh, for all their sort of trials and tribulations, <laughs> and um, I still want them to be super successful, uh, because it's sort of like, I got into White Wolf before Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't, yeah, I, understand. That, that, I found out that about that sort of, I knew about it, but but no one did that. And then when, we're, like, you know, 16, 17-year-olds were like, oh, well, World of Darkness is way cooler. Like, this <laughs> is, <yeah. laughs> I was so target
0: demographic. Um, yeah, I was a skater punk. So but, you know, the first thing that nice. appealed to
3: me was yeah, you know, vampire, the rebel,
0: right? was
4: the guy? The art with the guy with all the pins that he had. Yeah.
0: It's kind of a near dark rip off, but whatever. So, yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Uh, could you guys just talk a little bit about Reverie Studios and what you do there? Because yeah. we haven't yeah, discussed it at all. I don't know anything about it.
3: Sure. Go ahead and start. Uh, So Reverie Studios uh, is a LARP studio, we work in the Nordic tradition. Uh, This is pretty much influenced because Tyler, Ken, and I all got to play in an amazing uh, White Wolf LARP called End of the Line, run by Participation Design Agency. And uh, as a result of that experience, we came back and said we would like to have more of this in the United States. So we got together and formed a studio and then started running LARPs together. Uh, We've run a couple different LARPs, um, and the big one that we're running now is called Eschaton, which is a Lovecraftian-inspired blockbuster-style LARP. It's in Providence, and the uh, sort of drawing feature we have for it is you play the cultists, so it's uh, a different take on what a traditional Lovecraftian experience might be like. Um, we we have a lot of adjustments to the Lovecraftian mythos. Which first off we threw it right out the window um, <laughs> because we're not really huge fans of Lovecraft. Uh, and what we want to do is is uh, explore why people believe things or why they decide things. Okay. Uh, so the cultists are. You know, full human uh, portraitures and we want the characters to be uh, very interesting to people to explore um, and you know we sort of started at that base level and then built up from there uh, it's all original material so we have a team of writers and you know we're looking to run this experience in April 2019 so it's kind of our big focus right now. Yep, nice. um,
4: cool. awesome. Part of our, our focus is some of the tenets of, of like sort of like the, the Nordic tradition, which I know a lot of people from that area are trying to unhook themselves from. It's gotten a little bit bigger than that. But, um, you know, in a, in a lot of LARPs, all LARPs have different like things that they consider to be sort of like their Bible, their important things. Um, and for us, that would be... One of the most important things would be that players are more important than characters. Yeah. Right? So creating a, a safe environment for people to to build trust with a a group of strangers to then make themselves vulnerable. Um, And it's through that vulnerability that uh, you can really create memorable, immersive, amazing experiences. Like Berlin was awesome, Mm. but it it was that building, uh, attempt to build that trust and that connectivity with your little group that they sort of put you in is what made it really amazing for certain groups. Um, being able to opt in and out of scenes that you want to be in or not, um, uh, working with the okay check-in stuff to make sure your other participants are, are having an, a, a good time or that they're not really crying or they're not like, cause again, our participants are way more important than this thing that is up where you're doing for fun. So um, we really like to stress those, those elements. Um, uh, the community and the people around us are really important to us, um, and we think this is an amazing hobby. I think LARPing is the, one of the best hobbies you can possibly be uh, to do in in all of life. Um, I think it, it helps you become the person that you want to be if you look at it from a, a right direction, um, and it lets you explore those those types of behaviors in a safe environment. Mm. Um, so. We just weren't seeing that around us. And we just said, well, alright, we'll build it. Nice. I like it.
2: Yeah, Great. We were talking about um, in the future, so sort of, with darker days, is arranging sort of. LARP events, at, you know some of the stately homes and stuff in the uk and like yeah. that kind of immersive thing but you were talking about how we need collaboration with people on the larp side of things like we would have the organizational bit yeah or that, that's... i would with the um you know finding places to hold these events and stuff because i used to do that in my job as a PA, right yeah. you know book venues things like that but i mean it's it's yeah because my yeah
1: you know, I think for same as you Mike, like our only life experience was enlightenment in blood which oh, like really? blew Pretty our much. minds yeah. and that was yeah. and that because there's so much I've read about or experiences and it's the I think when you've got well, it it's a single event you've got to maximize the potential of playing mm-hmm. out of that and you know everyone else is is all in on that event whereas like if it's about you know a series of events, or it's an ongoing thing, and you you may be distracted by the micromanagement of XP mm-hmm. and stuff. Then you're 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 most really in danger of metagaming mm-hmm. some elements, which means that when you're playing at an event, you're not really completely focused in on that event. I think so. Enlightenment yep. blood for me, and I don't know if you might. It was just like it was just like awesome. We were just like we just had to maximise being technocrats <laughs> running yeah, around. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah, as Sam said, like, the, again, I I know there's, um, so Chloe, who's at the Manchester Met University, they, she's part of a group that do, she wouldn't call it Nordic luck, because there's, there's different terminology, but they mm-hmm. all effectively, depending upon mm-hmm. which school of thought it is or where it came from, it's that similar style of play, but they do Lovecraftian luck events. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, So, I think it's called the Dark Door, and that's been going on for ages. Like, they've done like LARP events where it's like an archaeology trip that goes completely wrong, or things like that. So, I think taking cues from that and what you guys know of, and so for them looking I'm, at I've
2: got like a bucket list of really inspiring venues that yeah. I love to organise things in and including there's a Scottish castle where they filmed The Wicker Man oh ok so, yeah
1: that would be amazing yeah, and all. it's
2: got these amazing gardens around it and it's just incredible all literally
1: down the road from us is uh, Shef- Sheffield. Victorian cemetery. Yeah,
2: and they have a chapel where they hold events, things like that. Um there's loads of places in Yorkshire where we live. Yeah. So and, yeah. Uh, a lot cheaper to hire than places down south. Oh a lot cheaper than
1: London <laughs> or anywhere like that. Yeah. And that's the search.
4: Boston is, is has its it has its uh, it has its charges mm. for, yeah. for, for for things. So that was a, uh, so your um Berlin by night there, that was your first yeah. real LARP? Experience.
2: Then. I, I've never
4: done one. Yeah, no, right no, but yeah. Nice. yeah, that's 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 excellent. What it's a great way to get yeah. your your feet wet. Instead of like my first was like in a in like a, 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 a half-furbished basement <laughs> I with, with friends with not any lighting. Like yeah. that would like little yeah. you, you got a you it's, got a
1: better memory there. <laughs> it's, I think. Because the things we've done before are like, you know, running some of those murder mystery things out of a box. Mm, and those, yeah. I think you can get, you can actually get, again, a similar type of experience where mm-hmm. it's, it's a, obviously, it's a bit scripted to help people that aren't really into RPGs. So they yeah. just don't understand that they can, how to get into character that leads them in. So... I'm also torn with the idea it'd be great if you can find the right modern venue. I'd really love to have a stab at running Fading Suns lot, because I did Passion Play. Oh, Fading that's Suns exciting, is so that's exciting. I it love so, um, it's so, you can do such a genre mashup. and yeah. it's like, you know, Sam, you can pick basically anything out of your wardrobe, and be like, I'm this, yeah. hi. And I'd be like, I'm going to wear my Demo bars jacket, and that makes me some charioteer who's on some spacecraft. And Mike can easily dress up as, like... Literally in in some Victorian garb and be some like noble from some some world quite easily. That's what I to just turn up in a burlap like sack I'm and still, a surf. <laughs> I'm still chasing
3: that Emperor of the Fading Suns. You know the video game that came out. Yeah, I, that is the best video game I think I've ever. And played. of course I have a tie to that because I co-wrote
1: <laughs> oh, third, third edition Noble Armada Modern War Game. Yeah, and it would be yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I want to do the, the LARP to it. Yeah,
3: that's part of part of a LARP.
4: Part of the cha- one of the great challenges of LARP is getting participants to believe what you say. Yeah. What, what you say, like, because a lot of first-time LARPers will get, like, and the first time I went, I played Enlightenment of Blood, I think we've done it four times? What's that? The The, sorry, End of line. Yeah. We've done that, like, we've done it a couple times. No, three yeah. or four times? So, the first time, that was my, fir- my, my first Nordic experience out in New Orleans, is right. and, I, and I blew it. Um, <clears throat> a lot of my experience comes from, like, Chronicle-based yeah. LARPing, where you, you, have to keep an eye at the long game, right? You're like, oh, I'm, I'm two years in now of a four-year chronicle. I can't d- do this stupid risk because I could lose big, yeah. right? And it's that type of little internal gaming as a, as a player that begins to overshadow your character. You stop taking chances. You get to play much more conservatively, and nothing happens. So when, like, it was like, oh, it's it's four hours, like burn the candle from both ends, and yeah. I didn't. Uh. And I got at the other end of it, and I, but I could see it. I saw it in my friends. I saw that transformative experience, especially for LARPers mm. who have who have, done a certain way of, of playing a game, and, it, and almost a tabletop mentality, right? You're thinking about your XP, you're, making, you're working on your character build, that type of stuff. You, you begin to sort of micromanage
1: your experience and you you don't let things happen. And you hesitate at like you and it's the worst thing, it's like hesitation is one of the worst things in RPGs when you've got no. players hesitating over their their shopping list on D. So mm-hmm. they go, Oh, which sword do I want? Or they hesitate because they go, I don't know what to do and the storyteller hasn't given me a character to tell me what to do. It's like in my tabletop group, I'm, Sam I'm is the initiative person.
2: She pulls I'm, the trigger all the
1: time. Right. Yep.
2: If they're taking too long doing their shopping, I'm like, look, just pick one, right? Yeah. <laughs> and whether that's in character or not, and they're like, pick or, one. Mm, or, I'm gonna go talk to him. Yeah, and everyone's and, like, you know, what when people like spend too long deliberating <sighs> and going, I don't know, what do you want to do? Like I'm like, look, I'm just gonna talk to this person. Or it's like, you know, oh, are you, guys, are you guys gonna open the door, the scary door? And they're all like, No, but there might be something behind the door. And she, she goes, goes kicking kicking down the door something behind the door. So. Yeah, part of
4: part of my character concept was was being like a club owner, whatever. Mm. It's like it takes place in like a nightclubish setting for people who may not know what End of the Line is, it's a bunch of like not great people all eating at a, a club called The Line. Mm. The name of the game being The End of the Line. And you have like these little clicks and all this stuff and it's for the most part out of like say 60 people, we'll say 60 participants, we'll say 50 of them are humans. Yeah. And then we'll say six of them are vampires, and the other four are maybe ghouls.
3: Ah, uh, yeah, the ratio is somewhere in that. Race. Somewhere around yeah. there. I
4: mean, I'm, I could be off, but so you don't know who the vampires are. You don't know it's a normal World of Darkness club where yeah. a bunch of shitty people are all together. So, um, I was trying to hold it together, like oh, we're gonna keep this together. And I was just, I was just, it was kind of my. Concept, but also I should. It was. It's intended to spiral out of control. Mm. It's intended to sort of people like, you know, like people getting drained of all their blood on the dance floor. Like people dancing, and you're like that guy's clearly being consumed. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, By a vampire, and then you're like, there's a body over there. There's a body over here, and and it's like, and then the music is just doom doom doom. It's still going, and it was only after I started to see these missed opportunities that I was like. Of of letting the bad thing happen, of
3: of a lot of the interesting thing. I was
4: yeah people yeah. people, you know it's gotten very popular to say play to lose. Yeah. And that, but I don't that's that's really still the wrong way to look at it. You need to play to what's interesting. Yeah. Like that's a better view is what's interesting in the situation. Is it interesting for the prince to come out on top like he always does? Or is it interesting for him to make a mistake and have no winner
1: or loser in this situation? Yeah.
4: Maybe, is that the more interesting story?
1: I so. call it staring into the crash. Because either you, could, either you, you mm-hmm. hit it or you come out on the other side and you'll be like, I'm fine.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, cars are spinning out of control and you're just like, you know, Vin Diesel it straight through. Which seemed to be our experience of, of uh, Warcraft's Berlin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Trouble seem to not follow us, we just kind of we're able to walk away from it multiple <laughs> just times. Just the right time. Yeah. Reality vent. Yeah. The vanguard. Yeah, like right. mm. And have
1: vampires just look at us because we were wearing suits and tell us, oh, we're a clan venture. We're like, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, tell me more about this uh, vampiric society. <laughs> Control, we have some interesting intel. Um, <laughs> yeah. That was
4: hilarious and stupid at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> yep. The next time I went, though, I just... And that's part of the challenge of getting, as far as LARP is concerned, is you said, that no, no, you can do whatever you want, for the most part. Like, you can tell whatever story you want, you can take it in whatever direction you want. You're not waiting for a storyteller or a DM to acknowledge your request for attention. You've played
1: it, though, you've played End of Line both at Berlin and in New Orleans, so how did the two experiences compare? Because, obviously, it's the same concept, but when you relocate it to a different city, does that change the tone and mood of it slightly? Yeah, so it's interesting. So... Uh, participation design agency ran New Orleans. It was the
3: first time they had run this concept in the United States. Yeah. Uh, and actually in conversations with like, Philip, Tyler, and Ken, mm-hmm. um, the runners of that calibrated a little bit. Yeah. they were like, I think they, they kind of went, I don't know about the American audience. <laughs> and it turned out great. Uh, mm-hmm. And what they did was they just had a hallway in a hotel room. Was sort of like a you know, a series of conference rooms, and they worked with it. You know, mm-hmm. they sort of, like, said, well, it's happening at a hotel, and uh, we've broken in. Okay, and, yeah. you know, and it worked very well. Uh, I think people rolled with that concept. So, uh, I think it was uh, very robust. It stood on its own. Mm-hmm. But, you know, certainly in Berlin, they had an amazing site. Okay. It was a, a, some kind of steamworks museum or something, I think, out of, like, a Berlin hospital. Fucking hell. It was beautiful. It was great. So, they... They went well. We really broke in here to run this underground rave club, and uh, it turned out very well. So it felt much more like a rave club there, but yeah. the experience in New Orleans didn't feel uh, like it wasn't also an underground club, right? They both yeah. They were just different underground clubs. Yeah.
4: What you see is what you get. Yeah. Like if you're gonna yeah. larp in a hotel lobby ish hallway conference room area, then say okay. So here we are. Don't try them saying it's a a Ancient castle in Denmark. Yeah, <laughs> like because it's never going to be that. It's not. So work with what you got, and then massage your concept to fit where you, what the reality is as a participant. You, it helps with your immersion
0: in a, in a big way. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Nice. Good. Well. Uh, I think that's, uh, that's a lot of great information about uh, Reverie Studios and uh, we're definitely going to put a link in the show notes to you guys Thank and you. Uh, also to your upcoming Lovecraft bar. Yeah, cool. uh, are, the, are tickets still on sale? Can people still get into that? Absolutely.
3: Yep, yeah, they're, they're on sale and you know, we've got uh, some options uh, like scholarship tickets for folks and you know, we're writing characters now so folks that sign up are going to start seeing some characters very soon. Um, and the excitement is building up, and I think it's going to be a great event. Yeah, mm. definitely. Providence is a phenomenal location to choose.
1: The venue you've got is mental. Oh,
3: it's unbelievable. Yes, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. So it's, it's right on the ocean. Yeah, there's an island that you can walk
1: out to.
4: Whoa. <laughs> it's a crazy little manor. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, within it's
1: sight right. of Providence. That sounds yeah. just okay. right. Okay. Yeah, perfect. Mm-hmm. It's beginning to look a lot like fish people. Uh, I don't yeah. know. They say saying, they were not a great place. They were saying, see if we did stuff
2: that was in the UK, then we probably have. Because I'm a huge fan of Hamahara, and the happens since really little, so it probably like. Yeah. You, you imagine that Peter Pushing just walks out and things like that. So those topic venues really, really yeah. fit that kind of thing. Cool.
0: Excellent. Nice. All right, sweet. So that was a really good LARP discussion we just had. Uh, And also, I think we wanted to, just to finish up the episode, talk about a couple of uh, different uh, myths and legends in the Boston area, Uh, just kind of go over and give some people some cool ideas in a kind of a secret frequency format with this great piano music going on behind us. Yes.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
0: So, uh, who wants to start first?
1: Uh, Well, I don't think I should start, because we're the visitors here, we (laughs) know shit about Boston. (laughs) All right.
0: (laughs) Um, I mean, there's there's been lots of weird things in Boston. Uh, one that really stands out to me uh, as an engineer is the Great Molasses Disaster up in the North End. <laughs> yeah, the, the wave
2: yeah. of molasses. Yes. Yeah. yes. What so
0: the fuck? This is uh, yeah, actual right, history I mean, that happens. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, killed 20 people. So a an accountant was tasked with engineering and designing and constructing a molasses tank up in the North End. Exactly who you want to construct it. Yeah, not tank. not an actual engineer. Yeah. Uh, When they built it, they tested it by only filling it with two feet of water. And they said, oh, it's going to hold. It'll be fine. So it leaked like a sieve. People, the locals used to go out there with their cups to just like get free molasses because it was always dripping out the side. They eventually painted the tank brown so you couldn't see the molasses coming out. And then one hot summer day. That's a great fix, by the way. (laughs) One hot summer day, it just collapsed. And 20 people died in a wave of boiling hot molasses. The bodies are yeah. just stuck out there in the streets. So
2: like, where, where was it? Remember the
0: North End?s Where we yeah, were? Yeah. Where the tight streets and that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff? That's the exact area. Yeah. Oh, right. So did yeah. they go.
2: Did they, so did it they... was just there. It was in the street. Or.
0: Uh, I think it was. It was probably it closer was to the docks street, a little bit, yeah. but yeah, yeah it, it collapsed and uh, took out a couple of buildings because this was a lot of molasses. It's a lot of force just falling yeah. down. Yeah. yeah. How yep. was it? Very. Very big, very big. Uh, mm-hmm. big enough to demolish yeah. several buildings with a wave of molasses. <laughs> yep. And these... they they say on hot summer days you can still smell yeah.
4: the
1: molasses. But in the people area. that got coated in it, did they did it harden on them? Or did they kind of like get turned into like mm-hmm. I kind of molasses mummies? I think if you
0: left them out long enough, they probably would have. <laughs> I don't know for it was certain. It thick. They weren't able to get out of it. it yeah. was sort of like
3: it's it's like quicksand plus, you know. Yeah. Exactly. So if you're like, trying to breathe in
0: the way hits you it's down pack. here, yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: So was, it, so was it like running down the street or? Yeah, like yeah, flooded okay. yeah, yeah. so like, down the street and just would sweeped you, everybody like, up. It, it was you so fast. It was, it.
0: I know they say slow as molasses, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on a hot day it <laughs> yeah, mostly yeah. flows. But yeah, but boiling is is, is, is scary.
1: it's scary. Like, yeah.
2: yeah, it would yeah. burn you instantly. Uh, wow, yeah. 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 it
4: was horrific. Imagine the if I imagine just just trying to like to clean up after that yeah. have taken years.
1: Wow. Yeah. Um, so how do you use this in your World of Darkness game? I have no idea. <laughs> uh, okay. So clearly you will have potentially ghosts that mm-hmm. are sticky sure. with this boiling sugary stuff. Yeah. That's very simple. Yeah. yeah. Um, it just made me
2: think of that. You know, when we're talking about that um, the fairy tale with the, the magic porridge, the bowl I and mean, the bowl. Hard and then it
1: the entire oh, yeah! That's bizarre. Um, yeah,
2: that's one. <laughs>
1: Especially in the
4: modern day, I mean, you still get people who say they can smell molasses on hot days. Yeah. So, like, if you're looking at, like, if you're looking at some sort of, like, um, something with a shroud leaking through into the real world. You know, oh, yeah. You know, and, yeah. And, and, like, ghosts and all that stuff. I mean, Boston is, like, super haunted. Yeah, anyway, of course. So, yeah. Yeah. so, you know, we've got. Dozens of 400 year old cemeteries in here. Not, you guys, you know, you guys are beat, but. You get I love
2: people
1: to has around your history. Yeah, yeah, you have yeah. so much of
4: it. So, um.
1: I think the haunted
2: weird. thing here is kind of our fault, right?
1: Hey? <laughs> yeah, awful. yeah, it's our fault, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, definitely. Um,
2: not, not your fault. <laughs> but, uh, yeah,
1: I'm just trying to think other things to do with molasses with that. Um. Oh, what if it was. I would say, what if the, the reason for the original kind of expo- explosion, or it being released, what if it, the molasses was actually being gathered because it's part of some alchemical soup? Ooh, Could be. molasses prometheans. <laughs> Wait a minute, that's actually really interesting.
0: That's, that's incredible. So they get like entombed? That's part of the uh, creation process. Yeah, but it's remember, they do mummification
1: in with um, yeah. self mummification, Buddhist monks can do by consuming enough honey. Right, wow, oh. hmm. that is Also we do ha, there spicy. is a mummy in the ether dome, in the hospital, there is a mummy there because mm-hmm. they did a post-mortem on it. they call him Paddy. Yep. So you were very, Sam, you were very careful in taking pictures yeah. not to take a picture directly of the mummy because of yeah, the mummy's I just, curse. Yeah, I, I have a <laughs> yeah.
2: There's a particular mummy in the British Museum that you should not take a picture of, absolutely not, it's cursed. Yeah. yeah. So, oh. so, yeah, sure,
1: you know, you could also have it, you know, yeah, mummification by molasses. Yeah, that would that's a good in. one. It's
2: mm-hmm. the that Howard uh, Carter found. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. In Egypt.
1: So... And he was cursed. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's, that's what I would go with that one. Yeah, that's great.
0: Yeah.
3: Any other stuff for the great molasses disaster? For the molasses disaster? No, I mean, I, I've, I've certainly got... Uh, some yeah. other stories that we can tell, but... Yeah, absolutely. Let's story, go with it. Yeah. Let's go with it. What do you got? Uh, I've got a ghost story. Oh, man. And I've got a modern story.
1: Oh, we'll okay. to here 1st Let's go ghosty.
3: Okay. Alright. Uh, so, if you take any ghost tour here in Boston, it's very well regimented, but they have a number of them. They're pretty good. I've done a couple ghost tours. Uh, my favorite ghost story happens to involve uh, a typical Boston response. Uh, to social incidences and political uh, sensibilities. Right? Mm. So, uh, shortly after the revolution, there was a, a Frenchman, an aristocrat, who I believe was somewhat related to the French monarchy. So, you know, some cousin of somebody in the royal family. Of course, you know, however long that lasted, it didn't matter. But mm. he was here in Boston. And he was like a diplomat of some sort. He was a person who uh, sort of represented uh, French people's interests here in Boston. Um, I don't remember the name exactly but he um, was sort of tasked with protecting the interests of French people and there were some French uh, bakers and you know other craftspeople the Bakers we will focus on specifically because that's what this incident relates to okay um, there was some riots at the time uh, with some of the folks who lived in Boston where they essentially were attacking French uh, craftsmen craft people hmm. and uh the bakers, in particular, was that was an issue of contention. So there were some riots, and this guy stepped in. He tried to stop the riot. You know, he said, "You know, stop attacking these people." And he, I think, was shot. He was he was murdered. Um, and more or less, Boston acknowledged that this was the fault of the people there. They sort of said, "Well, we're sorry." Um, they found out who this guy was, who he was related to, and they. they issued some more apologies, said, we've created a tomb for this person, um, you know, a place for this person to rest. They never did. So, you know, this person was more or less uh, now very irate, and this is down in the sort of, Boston downtown area. Um, his ghost is said to wander the Boston uh, sort of, uh, old section of the city. Um, and okay. he's, he's very uh, angry, and he rustles around and you know makes a lot of noise and trouble. Um, and he's been sort of a, an old haunt for a couple hundred years now in Boston. Now, uh, we'll, we'll just sort of like cap this with a more interesting note, which is in the 70s or 80s, I think it was, the French government came over to the United States, and they said, we'd love to see this tomb that you talked about. <laughs> oh, shit. <Uh-oh>. Okay. <laughs> for which Boston... Hastily in 48 hours, created a concrete tomb for this gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, you can see it. It's uh, right in downtown Boston. It's a it's a terrible concrete pyramidal structure. Shit. Um, and Jeez. Yeah. Where is it? Where is it located? It's it's right by the common. If you look in the uh, the graveyard that they have, that's like right around the corner from Park Station. I oh, think it's the uh, the granary
0: ones that that was the concrete monstrosity yep. I saw in there. Yeah, like, when is that? That is the one you probably. Really? Yep. Yep. So yeah, you walk right by it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Sam, Sam yeah, probably has a photo. <laughs> but she has a photo. <laughs> yeah. What is it like?
0: It's a it's like a just giant concrete pyramid. It's mm-hmm. an ugly it's concrete probably pyramid. Probably somewhere. In yeah. yeah. Okay. The, it might we, we, only be in the background. It'll be
4: in
3: the show yeah. notes. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> sure. Boston, what a town. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so it's a very
1: uh, Boston response to... Uh, I came like to that. Boston and all I got was this ugly concrete pyramid. <laughs> yep. I got shot
3: over bread. Over yeah. bread. Yeah. I yeah. wanted a bread and I got a concrete...
1: Jesus Christ. So... Um, so. How the fuck do we use this in movies? I mean, it's a ghost. But that's clearly easy. Well, what what were what
0: were the Bostonians doing with the body that they couldn't make a tomb? That's uh, what I'm wondering. Yeah. What kind of like ritual was this French diplomat used in? Do they need the uh, noble blood? Remember well, they didn't
3: bury him right, and they you know he's certainly angry. So I would say they did yeah. something. Wait.
4: Yeah. Yeah. They were they were not the best people outside of organized warfare. In organized warfare, they were very, like, hyper-civilized about it. But in, like, riots and things like that of, like, unorganized, they were horrible. They would drag his body around and do all kinds of horrible... Like, that's when they let it all out.
0: Mmm. It was over... It was overbred, so... Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of riots in Boston. These days, it's usually because there's, like, a sports game that was won. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I mean, could
1: it be possible that... If it's over bread could it be something to do with like cursed communion bread? Maybe. Maybe given out by an ancestor of his who works at a church. That could be weird. Yeah, there's a lot of churches here as I well. I believe that mm. he was said to haunt the basement of a church. Oh. Mm. Okay, we've been in a few churches. Well, we went in Trinity the, Church. The King's
2: we Chapel. Went inside Trinity Church. It's, oh, nice. it's incredible. It looks like an Italian basilica. Uh, gold. Yeah. gold, mm-hmm. crazy. Well,
0: the King's Chapel right across from the uh, old granary burial grounds yep. has a catacombs as well. So oh, I wonder wow. if his body was there. I think it was. Yeah. Well, there we go. Yeah. So yeah. maybe
2: he just yeah, walks the catacombs. Yeah, they, they have timed tours to there, so that's why oh, didn't do that. So.
1: Yeah. No, that makes it even more interesting. So what, because he, he was French, right? He was French. So what if his death mm. creates an Aver- I'm going with Geissip, but there's an Avernian yeah. gate that mm-hmm. allows you to go into the upper depths. And that allows you to get to a different Avernian gate, which pops you back out where? In the Casacunes of Paris. Mm. Oh, You've got a shortcut. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. That's nice. I like that one. And maybe the way to open the Avernian gate is um, oh no, this gets creepy then. The only way to do it <laughs> is to use bread that's been made using blood of a particular person. Mm. Yep, that would work. There you go, that's what mm-hmm. I would do.
0: Nice, I like it. Brilliant. Okay, do we have any others? <laughs> you a-
3: I've got a modern story All right. to tell. Yeah. Alright, hit me with it. Alright, so when I moved to Boston in 2012, shortly after I moved here, uh, there was a story in the newspaper about a young man uh, in his 20s, hmm. who uh, ended up being found in the Charles River, and he had uh, chains wrapped around his leg and a cinder block. Oh. Now, the stories of the, you know, gentlemen are, are suggesting this was not perhaps an accident. Never really never really kind of solved this mystery. Hmm. Um, and, you know, there was, there was nothing to say that this was, uh, you know, a choice that he had made. You know, there were sort of signs that he stepped out after watching an episode of some TV with his, his roommate. Um, he didn't quite have everything on him. Uh, Maybe he was going out to meet somebody. You know, it wasn't really clear. Hmm. And uh, after this happened, you know, I was kind of freaked out about it. Mostly it was the chains and the cinder block part, uh, which is kind of elaborate, you know, if you're going to sort of do this, I guess. But uh, over the years, there has been uh, some investigation of these incidences with young men in Boston in their 20s mostly. Uh, I think about 27 people since 2000. That have ended up mysteriously drowning in Boston, right? Either in the river or somewhere in the waterways. And these typically are artists, Um, these are, you know, creatives, engineers, you know, very smart young men. Mm -hmm. And uh, not always is it the case that this happens in the winter. Not always is it the case that this person was a drinker, some of them weren't. You know, so so you could sort of start to, like, create some data points. And if you look at a heat map of Boston with these people, and then, like, sort of try to find similar incidences, you know, in other cities that are college towns or are close to water. Um, the statistical probability in Boston is very high hmm. that this happens. So uh, there's somebody who studied this and like wrote a couple of posts uh, on, on the internet. It's called uh, cryptid Antiquarian. Uh, I'll give you the link and uh, yeah, sure, look at it. Yeah. Um, but this has fascinated me. And, you know, of course, this is a, a very world of darkness kind of thing He's a, what's happening to these people why does this happen um, and it happens you know, fairly regularly I think there were two in the past year of young Whoa. men just, you know. we
2: have that in Manchester too yeah we get we... in my hometown of Manchester mm-hmm. um, they they say that there's a serial killer pushing people into the canal yeah it might be the and same here th- this mm-hmm. is like a lot this fits like dozens over the past however many years um, in, in the gay village And, you know, people think that they're being targeted in some way. But, um, you know, the police say that they've not found any evidence that it's somebody doing this. It's that they may have just gotten drunk and fallen into the canal, which also happens. But it's just, you know, a lot of people do believe that Those are people
1: found in the canals and nothing else is on them, but with chains and cinder blocks. It's very, very premeditated kind Mm. of... Yeah, and if you're getting almost
4: two every year... Just about.
1: That's yeah, very. That's
4: yeah. that's a lot.
1: That yeah. feels like that's very ritualistic. Yeah, kind you're of kind of freaking it. me out here, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> near the fence anytime soon.
0: Jeez.
4: Yeah. Yeah. The Charles River has a very long and uh, unhappy history. Wow. Now,
3: so. Oh. so, so there you go. There's some
1: <laughs> very modern. Um, I, yes. Yeah. I. I. My immediate. Go to point is not even make it supernatural. It is go with the classic. It's, it's classic slasher material, um, whether it's for World of Darkness or Chronicles of Darkness, because I think, I think that's something that for World of Darkness people should buy the slasher book to use for World of Darkness games. Because one of the wonderful things, i say one of the interesting, maybe the most compelling elements of playing World of Darkness games is even though you're the monster. And you have the curse of whatever it is. That doesn't necessarily mean you are evil. I think mean, this is very important. What we said about the war episode and, and how you treat troublesome, problematic material. And in this case, it's like you know you you have the abilities to to spot things like this. And that realization that oh yeah, there's just a simple human that is so much worse than me, and all I do is have a little drink of blood every so often. There's someone that's literally going around twice a year chaining someone up and doing something so horrendous. Mm-hmm. I think that is so- scary enough in its own right. Absolutely. You yeah, could yeah. add an, a mystical element. Because there's quite a lot of Masonic elements in Boston, isn't there, I think? Probably.
3: Well, this should be the guy to talk
0: to. Oh, here we go, then. <laughs> He's going right. to follow it up with
1: something fun. I'm a Freemason. Ah, oh, well, there we go. Yeah. Cool. So, so yeah, the occult and, Masonic and and you know ritualistic elements in, in Boston, has, there's a long history for that. Man.
4: Yeah, uh, uh, Freemasonry has a, a very, very long history in Boston. Uh, I'm a, I'm a member of the Cambridge, Massachusetts Lodge, and it's you know, uh, um, has, has been around for many hundreds of years. Yeah. Um, the Grand Lodge is right down by, if you were down by um, the Boston Common, it's right there. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, we like to say that we are not a secret organization. We are an organization that has secrets.
1: Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. You yes. are there. You don't deny you're not there. You are there.
4: No, we're we're we are very public. You can find out most anything you want to know on the internet. Um, but um, we do we do we do have secrets, uh, and and most of them also can be found on the internet. It's it's uh, a <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean you can. Uh, I mean it's it's in today's day and age it is. The value of giving someone's word or taking an oath is very undervalued mm-hmm. um, it does not hold the, the prevalence that it did in in times in the past and it's like it doesn't matter so much what you are swearing to it, I mean it does matter but it does it matters that you that you would do it and then you would uphold what you say uh, and that is kind of at the heart of what pre-masonry is about just I will, I say this thing and I will do it. Yeah, and that's, that's it. Cool. So yeah, but masonry in in um, in Boston is very big. You can see all, especially on the tombstones, you can see the spirit compass. Yeah, everywhere. Um, yeah, and the, and I as I've only been a member for like five years, so I don't, I'm not clearly so um, you know, schooled in that way. But you know, just the
1: funeral rites are amazing. They're very moving. But it's for, it's, I mean, because obviously, yeah, you've got Freemasonry, but you can also, if you consider that the, the Americas was a place where, you know, people escaped religious persecution, it's very easy to see, you know, whatever occult group in
2: mm-hmm. the world of darkness mm-hmm.
1: would see an opportunity mm-hmm. to go, oh, we've got somewhere new to be, no one's going to persecute us. And sure. this leads to down the ages to, yeah, I'm chaining up people and chuck them in a the river because yeah. they oh, need, yeah, yeah. need fresh. Yeah, maybe. Sacrifices yearly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, apparently. Yeah. Always
4: yeah. groups to be subverted to your own cause. Exactly. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah if I were to use this uh, weird trend of drownings, I'd probably actually <laughs> run a Wraith one-shot, I think. Oh, I think that would yeah. be good. Where everyone, maybe not even recently, maybe some of them are very old uh, deaths, would all uh, have died the same way. And I'm not even sure if I would have it be like some supernatural history or anything. It could just be this very cathartic experience of just... Yeah figuring out and discussing like what happened to us and how can we move on from here
4: yeah everyone's
0: playing one of the victims yeah Yeah, yeah exactly
1: that would be pretty intense yep awesome okay cool any last ones I think that covers it maybe yeah um, all my other stuff's weird I mean
0: I think that about wraps everything up so uh yeah uh, thanks everyone for coming here to uh, this cafe to do a quick episode uh, actually kind of a long episode yeah. and um yeah Garrett, Tyler, thank you very much for lending all your experience with LARPs and all the insight. Really appreciate it. We'll definitely uh, put a link in the show notes to uh, all the work you're doing. Very cool stuff. Thank you very and much. And Chris, Sam, thanks yeah. for coming to Boston. Yeah,
2: yeah thanks it's been for us. amazing.
1: Thank you. There, thank you. Great. Awesome. And that's it? Yeah. Um, it is. Of course, before we go, we need to say where people can find stuff. So. Wow, um, yeah. right. They can email us at darkerdaysradio at gmail.com. They can find us on Facebook. They can find us on our Discord. There is a link in the show notes to Discord. There is some conversations there about various things to do with gaming. They can find us on Instagram. They can find Sam's photos on Instagram of Boston and other weirdness. Yeah, that's Sam Kapral. That's
2: Sam, K-A-P-R-A-L, photo, F O T -O 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 O that will Instagram. be in the show notes or just Sam Capral <laughs> yep
1: uh, and then Reverie Studios we will have a link in the show notes for that and this show will mostly be going out after I've been to Dragon Meet So there will be an episode coming up with an interview with Matthew Dawkins and Dave Brookshaw and Chris Allen who also works for Onyx Path and I think maybe White Wolf he does certain things I can't quite remember and also we will have interviews from Modiphius Cubicle 7 and that might be whoever else is that Dragon Meat. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, good. Yeah. how awake you are. Yes, I will be jet-lagged
0: <laughs> to fuck. That's awesome. And that's it. To all the listeners out there, thanks and have a good night.